Lord, we pray that you would use what you say to us in Scripture to help us follow you more faithfully. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to say hello to those who are sitting in the narthex. Great to have you with us. My father-in-law used to own a small plane, and the first time he took me flying, I couldn't help but notice that the interesting thing about a single-engine plane is that it has only one engine, (laughs) a little small engine at that. And as we were flying 10,000 feet up over the Bay Area, and my mind was for some reason drawn to the state of my father-in-law's health. The fact that I'd only seen him eat large, fatty chunks of beef with potato chips and candy bars on the side, and I began to wonder what the state of his arteries were like as I watched him fly. And all of that led to some very interesting discussions about the weather, the view, what exactly it is that makes small planes crash, and how to raise the tower in case of emergency. Now, in that moment, what was making me uncomfortable was the fact that I had to have faith. Faith in my father-in-law, faith in his plane, faith in his ability to fly. And faith can be sometimes hard to have. As a church, we are embarking on a faith journey called the Ripple Effect, a.k.a. Capital Campaign. But we do not want this to be a fundraiser. We believe that it can be a spiritual journey and that God doesn't use us to get projects done. God uses projects to get us done. So for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking about how the ripple effect can get us done, spiritually speaking. Things like how we can learn to pray better and be more of a community and things like that. And today I want to talk about faith. What is it? And how can we have more of it? And the first thing the text we read today tells us about faith is that faith is a journey in which Jesus does the driving. There's an odd line in the passage that we just read where it's talking about Abraham and his acts of faith, and then it says, and he lived in tents. That's kind of an odd line, he lived in tents. The the author is talking about faith and theology and suddenly starts talking about camping. He lives in tents. But I think what the author is trying to get at in that moment is that there's a difference between a life that is lived in secure, predictable structures and a life lived in tents. People who live in tents are always on the move. They're always ready to pick up and move on to the next thing that God calls them to do. You see, in the Bible, faith is not something we believe in our head. That's kind of a post-enlightenment idea of faith. But it's not in the Bible. It's not what we believe in our head. Faith is always a journey in which Jesus does the driving. And the Ripple Effect campaign that we're beginning today has been a long faith journey. That began five years ago when some really smart people in our church started to notice a whole bunch of problems with the building up the hill where we have our youth and children's programs. For five years, we've explored every possible alternative to tearing it down. But after numerous studies, and we are Presbyterian, so you can guarantee that we, we studied it. It's been well studied. Numerous studies, seconds, opinions. And after several years in which our elders have prayed and fasted, Over this question, they've discerned God calling us to do three things in three concentric circles of expanding God's influence. And you know them, many of you know about them, but I just want to review so we all start at the same place. The first circle is an $11 million project to replace the existing building with a larger, safer building. For our youth and our children to continue to learn about Jesus, for Eastside Academy to expand, 
for programs like KidReach and all the other 775 uses per month that building gets. That's the first circle. But, that journey, but the faith journey didn't stop there because for 50 years the DNA of this church has been to make Christ known through serving our community and our world. And last year, through a series of coincidences that can only be described as God, a building became available in the Lake Hills neighborhood of Bellevue. So the second project our elders felt God calling us to do was to provide startup funds for a nonprofit Christian resource center known as the Jubilee Reach Center, where we can offer things like tutoring programs, drug and alcohol counseling, after-school programs, down the road maybe things like daycare or medical or legal clinics, where the youth, children, and families in our community can get their needs met. And it'll be $2 million to get that up and going. And the third circle is in Rwanda and Sudan, where our elders have discerned God calling us to work with an organization called African Enterprise. They've been around for about 45 years in 13 different countries. We feel called to work with them to build a center for street kids and vulnerable youth, many of them as young as eight or nine, working as prostitutes just to survive, a center where they can come and get job skills and be placed in jobs so that they can support themselves. We'll also provide money to help kids in Sudan, southern Sudan get clean water and education. That's the ripple effect. Three circles of influence, all three having to do with children and youth. We didn't plan it that way. We weren't smart enough, but God was smart enough, and he did. All of it done in the name of Jesus so that these kids can know the God who loved them enough to die for them. The total vision is $14 million. We call it the ripple effect because like a stone that's dropped in the water sends out waves, we believe this church is called to send out ripples of influence for Christ in our church, community, and around the world. And this whole thing has been a faith journey, and it's been very clear that Jesus has been doing the driving. There's been all kinds of things that have happened that you just kind of go, wow, that, that, wasn't, that had to be God. You know, the, the building where we are going to do the Jubilee Reach Center. The school district used to own that. And they worked really hard to help, in a, help us get that building in such a competitive real estate market. And, and as we were doing our due diligence around that building, we, we met with various city officials. And each time we were meeting with them, they were so helpful. And so we felt compelled to say each time, you know, we're Christian, don't you? <laughs> you didn't know that, didn't you? And they said, yeah, we know. We love First Press. We know what you're doing. You're doing things we can't do, so we want to help. Okay, when do government officials say things like that to churches? Right? Like, that has to be God. This has been a faith journey. And look what God has done. You know, we started with a rundown building here in our church, you know, which is kind of a bummer. You know, rundown building, bummer, kind of depressing. Look what God has done. He's turned it into this exciting vision that's going to change a lot of lives. It has been a faith journey. And it's going to require a lot of faith to get it done because it's so big. Every year I meet with a group of pastors from large Presbyterian churches around the country. Doesn't that sound like a room filled with ego? <laughs> and I was telling them about this project, this vision, and they'd never heard of a church doing a capital campaign this way before. An integrated vision to help others outside the church as well as meet the needs of the church, people inside the church. They were fascinated. They thought it was visionary. They thought it was very bold. A few of them said things to me like, well, you let us know how that works out for you, boy. If you're here with us next year. Didn't know what that meant. 
And I am so proud of our elders for having a vision that is this big. A lot of churches wouldn't. And now we're asking you to go on a faith journey as well. Between now and May 21st, I'm asking you to do five things. They spell out the word peace. The first is pray for the kids in each of those three circles. Next, engage with God about how he might want you to participate in this campaign. There's a devotional available after the service that will help you do that. invite you to pick one up. Pray, engage, attend all five sermons that I'll be preaching about this in the next five weeks and one of the ripple effect desserts in the first week of May. You should have been invited. If you weren't, that's a computer error. Everyone's invited. If you can't come to the one you were invited to, go to one of the others. Pray, engage, attend, and then when you're done with all of that, commit. Whatever it is, you feel God leading you to commit for the next three years, to give for the next three years, over and above what you give to the operating vision, budget to see this vision a reality. And if that's one dollar, well, praise Jesus. And if that's a million dollars, praise Jesus. And neither one is more important than the other, as long as both represent not what's a safe thing to give, but a gift that requires faith. Pray, engage, attend, commit, and lastly, everyone is needed. Everyone. And I believe if we all go on this journey, we will be changed. We'll know Jesus more and we'll be more like him. Faith is a journey in which Jesus drives. The second thing this text teaches us about faith is that faith is a verb. It's acting on what we say we believe. This text talks about various heroes in the Bible, and each story starts with the phrase, by faith. And then it's followed by an action, a verb, something very active that they do. It doesn't say by faith they sort of sat around and pondered. By faith, Abraham followed God. By faith, the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. Faith is a verb. It's acting on what we say we believe. When my wife was in graduate school, the night before she was going to take her qualifying exams, those were big, huge exams, and she was praying and she said, Lord, is there Anything that I should study sort of in the last minute, any last minute, minute studying I should do before the test tomorrow. As she prayed that, two words popped into her head, allegory and satire. But she was tired, so she decided to go to bed anyway. Next day during the exam, you can guess what happened, right? Guess what they asked her about. What is the relationship between allegory and satire? And she was sorry that she didn't listen to the prayer, right? And when she said, I don't know, the professors, like sharks in the water sensing blood, just moved in for the kill, spent the next 30 minutes grilling her on allegory and satire. She passed the exam, but it was brutal. You see, there's a difference between faith and belief. Belief is what we think in our heads. Faith is what we do. My wife believed she should study allegory and satire, but she didn't have faith because she didn't do it. You can believe the chair will hold you up, but you don't know the chair will hold you up until you have faith and sit in it. And when you do, you discover that your belief is true because it holds you up. And the exact same thing is true with Jesus. We will never know if Jesus is real until we act as if he is and do something in faith and watch him come through for us and then we know that he's there. And again, the ripple effect gives us a great opportunity to do that. As God leads us to make sacrificial commitments, maybe more than we think we can do based on the premise that Jesus provides. And when he does, and he always does, we'll be more convinced that he's real. Now, that doesn't mean that everything will always be easy. People in the Bible faced a lot of hardships, but God was always there. You see, the opposite of faith is not doubt. 
The opposite of faith is fear. And the way we overcome fear is to trust Jesus, do what he says, and then we see that he is always there. Acting in faith frees us from fear. Faith is a journey. Faith is acting on what we say we believe. Third, faith is seeing God's promises even when they're invisible. The text says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. By faith, Abraham left his home. And he couldn't see the land he was going to, but he had faith in the vision that God had given him. The text says that none of these people could see the vision God had given them, but they were looking ahead to what God had promised. And that's what we as a community are doing. We are looking ahead to what we can't see, but soon we'll be able to see if we act in faith. A few years from now, we see children and youth who are not yet in this church because we don't have room for them. Being here, learning about Jesus, because of that, making choices to avoid the materialism and sexual mores and all kinds of things in our culture that threaten to wreck him. And instead, living abundant whole lives in Christ. A few years from now, we see children and youth in our community getting the support and counseling that they need to thrive in school and break out of a cycle of poverty. A few years from now, we see kids in Rwanda and Sudan in good jobs where they can support themselves. Kids who would have died if we hadn't have been there. By faith, we can see those things. And if by faith we act on God's promises, the lives of literally thousands of children will be changed forever. Faith is a journey. Faith is acting on what we say we believe. Faith is seeing God's promises even when they're invisible. And finally, one small act of faith can make a lot of ripples. Abraham was only one man, but he followed God. And from him came Jesus and the salvation of the world. One man, one decision, a lot of ripples. Rahab was only one woman, a prostitute at that. But because she acted in faith, she saved a whole nation. One woman, one decision, a lot of ripples. We're just one church, but thousands of kids' lives are going to be changed forever. And hundreds of kids a year in Africa literally will not die because of what we're going to do there. One church, one capital campaign, a lot of ripples. You see, you don't have to be a superstar of the faith to make a difference. You know, a lot of times we think, oh, you know, I'm just one person. I don't have a lot of time, don't have a lot of money. What difference can I make? Right? But look at the people that God calls in the Bible. Most of them were a mess, had nothing to offer, but God used them anyway. You've heard me say before, the one thing you get from reading Scripture is you don't want God to be your HR guy. He hires the wrong people. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Rahab was a prostitute. Isaiah preached naked. Wouldn't that be weird? (laughs) Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. John the Baptist ate bugs. Martha worried about everyone, everything. Zacchaeus was too small and Lazarus was dead. So what's your excuse? (laughs) None of these people had a huge amount of faith. None of these people were perfect. They doubted. They failed. Made all kinds of mistakes. But at some point... Each one of them responded to the prompting of the Holy Spirit inside of them, made one simple act of faith, and from that came a whole lot of ripples. Recently heard about a man named John Bechtel who wanted to start a Christian camp for kids in Hong Kong. Hong Kong's a city where kids don't even see grass because it's so urban. So John and a friend found a company that was selling a facility for $250,000. John's friend said, great, I'll go out and I'll do some fundraising to get the money. He spent three months trying to raise money, got nothing. 
All he got was a letter from a little girl in Georgia who wrote to him and said, here's my ice cream money for two weeks. Please use it to help buy a camp for children in Hong Kong. And inside the envelope, there was one dollar. That's it. But John had faith that God had called them to buy this camp. So he said, you know what? I'm going to give it a try anyway. So you've got to imagine this scene, right? John goes to the company and says, yeah, didn't quite come up with $250,000. Fell a little short. And they asked, well, how much do you have? And he said, um, yeah, that'd be a dollar. Mm-hmm. But then he went on to tell the story of what had happened. And they were so impressed with the little girl that they decided to sell the camp to him anyway as an act of charity and now that one dollar bill hangs in the camp as a reminder of what god can do when somebody is faithful and today thousands of kids have gone to that camp and thousands of kids have made jesus their savior and lord one little girl one dollar lots of ripples that's what faith can do and that's what faith is john and this little girl took a journey with god where he was driving They acted on what they said they believed. They saw God's promises even when they were invisible. And because of that, a whole lot of ripples, a whole lot of lives changed. Now, I'm not saying you have to go out and buy a camp in China to make a difference. As I keep saying, your act of faith may be as small as simply listening to a co-worker in need. And all of us can go on this faith journey called the ripple effect and ask, Lord, how do you want me to be a part of this? And then on May 21st, we'll all come together turn in our commitment cards that say what we pledge to give over the next three years over and above what we give to the operating budget in order to see kids' lives transformed in our church, community, and those kids in Africa who literally will not die because of what we're going to do. One church, one faith journey, lots of ripples. And that has been the story of this church for 50 years and counting. A group of people with this faith, this almost irrational amount of faith. Crazy, really. A group of people who, by faith, planted a church in Bellevue before there was a 520 bridge when the east side was just forest and farmland. And by faith, they built a building they thought was big enough. And by faith, they had to build another one. By faith, they had to build another one. By faith, they had to build another one to handle all the people whose lives they were changing. By faith, they started a hunger awareness program that fed hundreds of people. By faith, they started housing at the crossroads to help low-income families get housing. By faith, they hiked into the jungles of Guatemala and adopted a village there. By faith, they incubated innovative ministries like Eastside Academy, Rwanda Partners, Auto Angels, Kid Reach. And by faith, they nurtured literally thousands of kids to know Jesus and to serve in His name. And now those kids are bringing hope in places like Africa and Nicaragua and to small farmers in Washington State. And by faith, that same group of people is going to reach more children and youth with the life-changing message of a God who loved them enough to die for them. Kids who will then live whole, abundant lives in Christ, counterculture lives that make a difference. Kids who will be lifted out of a cycle of poverty. Kids who literally will not die and all of them given a chance to know Jesus in the process. Earlier this week, I heard a man say that one of his friends dismisses Christianity as, quote, just an indoor sport. And my first thought was, you ain't been to my church. A church that lives what it preaches. A church that acts as if by faith God can, has, and will do again exceedingly abundantly, beyond all we can ask or even imagine by the power that is at work within us. 
And that by faith, that same God will make his kingdom come and get his will done in this church on the east side and all the way to the ends of the earth by the faith of the people in this room. Lord, help us to respond to your call in our lives in faith. Help us to follow you. Help us to make commitments that don't necessarily feel safe, but that are filled with faith. And Lord, we will give you all the glory for the results. We pray this in your name. Amen.